rockin' with the boys of town view. We put our spin on trending topics and school news. Thought provoking, insightful, we speak the truth. We do it for all ages, not just for the youth. Uh, listen close, you might learn something. Or laugh so hard, you split your side of something. Uh, live stream a podcast. Whenever you tune in, it's sure to be a blast. Uh, let's be honest, you don't wanna miss that. Content so real, you're gonna wanna run it back. We keep you entertained while making an impact. Want form and announcements? Well, this is not that. Uh, Sports, pop, culture, political Whatever you like, we got you covered, bro uh, It's a movement, more than just a show It's KSBM Radio I'm to the music. Broadcasting live from Marvin E. Robinson School of Business and Management Dallas, Texas. My radio station. We are KSBM Radio, the voice of Townview. Hello and welcome back. This oh, it's Chewy. I'm Jelly. Simone. And I'm Unison. With the KSBM Radio team. Um, today we have a special guest with us, Mr. Jackson. Greetings. What's up, everybody? Happy to be here. Be here. Yeah, so before we get into things, we're wondering, how are you feeling today? Uh, you know, I'm feeling good. Uh, deja vu moments, you know, sometimes <laughs> you feel like you had a dream and then you lived like, oh, I feel like I've done this before. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, but it was it was a pleasant dream the first time. So uh, I'm excited to uh, see how this turns out. Uh, would you want to share like a little <laughs> bit about yourself for people who might not know who you are? Uh, well, I'm Michael Jackson. Uh, I'm alive. I say that all the time, <laughs> and uh, I'm glad about that. Uh, I am a Dallas native. I am a product of Dallas ISD. Uh, I attended all Dallas schools uh, in my growth and matriculation from kindergarten all the way up to high school. I'm a proud graduate of Thomas Jefferson High School. Um, I also attended E.H. Uh, e. Carey. Um, keep Carrie, you know, we lost Carrie in the tornado, but, you know, Carrie lives in our hearts. Uh, David G. Burnett, uh, also H.S. Thompson, the, the old H.S. Thompson, not the one in Bonton Farms. Uh, Bonton Farms didn't exist when I was there. There's no farm. It was just Bonton. Uh, and uh, Colonial uh, Elementary School, which is now uh, the Dr. Martin Luther King School for uh, the Arts over in South Dallas, sunny South Dallas. Um, can you share some childhood memories and about your upbringing? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, again, like I said, I grew up in in South Dallas um, and uh, in a really uh, on Peabody Street and really uh, I would say a really great neighborhood. Um, uh, this was in the eighties, uh, a time that you all would have no knowledge of other than like documentaries and things like that. <laughs> Maybe some movies you've seen, but uh, yeah, it was a really, it was a really interesting time um, uh, because uh, I lived in a duplex with my parents and on the other side, there lived my grandmother who was born in 1903. So I spent a lot of time with my grandmother who uh, really instilled a lot of, um, of you know, values and, and, and beliefs and, um, uh, just a lot of love, right, in me, and and, and I really did appreciate uh, that upbringing. Uh, I also um, lived, uh, well, moved from South Dallas, we moved to North Dallas, so I lived on Webb Chapel, uh, and uh, in both of those communities, I did see 
um, which you all probably have read about, like, you know, the, the, the crack epidemic, the drug epidemic, it, epidemic that just really just landed on Dallas during that time. And it was just a really um, tough, tough, tough time um, uh, to, to grow up. And, and you, it's one of those times where you need heroes and sheroes, all right, to help you, uh, help you uh, see how uh, you can be all that you can be despite uh, the, the environment that you live in. Um, moving on to a few questions. Um, what inspired your career in education, and were there any teachers who significantly impacted uh, your life? Yeah, absolutely. I had amazing teachers. Um, I had amazing teachers at, at Colonial and H.S. Thompson and David G. Burnett. Um, I mean, I had a great teacher at, at, at Burnett who would actually see me sitting on the bus stop because I lived, used to ride the dart bus to school, uh, and she would, you know, drop me off at my home. I also had a teacher when I was in the eighth grade who, you know, I had these advanced classes, but I didn't have the money for the school supplies, and she actually purchased all my school supplies for me, had them in my locker, and um, that just really made me believe that I was worth investing in. And so um, I would say... In high school at Thomas Jefferson, uh, you know, teachers that did amazing things for me. Um, I had a Miss Law who was just amazing. She always made me think about the future, like where are you going to college? Um, I had a t teacher, uh, Miss uh, Miss Ekstrom, who's uh, you know who was amazing. She made me ride an airplane for the first time. I was terrified. You know, she was my traveling tourism DECA teacher. I was like, no, I'm scared. <laughs> And that just opened up my world. Uh, and then I had Coach Rob, who was, you know, my all-time favorite, who actually put me in his car uh, when he asked me if I was going to college, drove myself and a few of my classmates to his alma mater, which is Texas College, represent Texas College. And, uh, <laughs> and it just changed my life. Uh, he, he, he had gone to Texas College. He had loved, obviously was an alumnus uh, who had become a teacher, and he just felt that, you know, asking those pertinent questions, where are you going to college? Not are you going, but where are you going? Uh, and I didn't necessarily have an answer for that. And so when he realized that I didn't, he put me in his car, took me, uh, took me to college. And on the way back from Tyler, on, it was a Wednesday, probably an unauthorized field trip, too. Uh, I know he didn't fill out the paperwork. Coaches didn't fill out the paperwork. But um, I just I knew right then and there that I was going to be a teacher because I wanted to do for others just like he had done for me. So... How would you say those early experiences with teachers shaped who you are today? Tremendously. I knew I heard my calling. I heard my calling on Interstate 20 on the way back to Dallas. I knew that that's what I was supposed to do. Uh, I loved like hip hop a lot. I still do. And I love all music, but I was like, man, I can break into this rap game. But <laughs> DJ, you know, you know, and I was on that, on that ride back. I was like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do with all that I've been given. Because I, I do feel that way about gifts. I think that they are given the gifts that you all have, right? Did you ask for them? They just, you just, they're just a part of your natural intelligence is a gift, right? Yes. Did you do anything to be intelligent? It's just a gift, you know, and it's a natural resource. So I think to develop that natural resource uh, in a way that um, that's going to help others. I think that's really important, and I do know that I learned that uh, from others helping me. 
as you uh, transitioned into your college years, uh, can you describe your uh, college experience at Texas College and the University of Texas at Arlington, and how have they contributed to your uh, professional journey? Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, y'all ever heard of that movie, The Boys in the Hood? You ever heard? Yeah, that was me. <laughs> like for real. Like I was in. Again, I'm in. I'm on Web Chapel, right? Uh, I didn't know how to get to college. I had great grades. I did, I understood school. I love school, but I just didn't know how to get to college. And that's a, that, that, that can be a barrier. You just don't know how. And um, again, it was what coach did. It was what the inspiration that I had from other teachers uh, that said, you know, that led me to go to Texas college. Right. And I went there with like $500 because I'd wanted the scholarship and I, knew that that wasn't enough but I was going to try to stretch it out and make it work I didn't understand how you know uh, grants worked I didn't really understand how financial aid worked I didn't understand how scholarships worked all I knew was I had $500 and I was going to do the best that I could while I was there and when they told me that I needed to go home because I didn't have enough money that I could come back to Dallas back to the hood saying you know what I did the best that I could and so I'm made really good grades uh, my freshman year. And then at the end of my freshman year, my friends were like, yo, you should run for sophomore class president. You should run. And I was like, they're going to find out I'm here. I'm trying to hide, uh, which is, now look back on that, it was really silly. But I did. Uh, I, I ran for sophomore class president and won. Uh, and that just became a springboard. Uh, again, it was all about helping my classmates and helping others. I became the uh, student government president. I was student body president uh, as a junior in college, and then I ran again in my senior year and became president again. So all in all, what I didn't understand is that uh, the first two years I was in college, I was on a scholarship based on my grades. The school put students on scholarship who had great grades, and the last two years, because I was student government president, you're on scholarship too. So. I said all that to say, at the end of four years, the school gave me a check for $183. I went to school for free, and I had no idea when I just showed over $500 that, you know, that was going to be such a blessing. So let that be a lesson that sometimes you just have to show up, right, mm -hmm. and have belief and faith and hope that, uh, if you're, you know, that things will work out. Um, UTA, I was a teacher for such a long time and I just wanted to learn how I could be more effective to impact more students. Um, what motivated you to pursue a master's in education? Well, that's a very good question. I felt the taps, right? And so the taps work like this. You're doing what you love to do and you master this little piece of this thing that you just love and then all of a sudden because other people noticed that you know, you are, have mastered and you're doing really, really well, they start to tap you on the shoulder like, yo, you know you can do more. You know you can do more. You know you can do more. And so it was a series of taps that led me to go get my master's in administration because I could do more. Not that being in the classroom is any less because that's the best work, but to be able to support an environment where te teachers can be the best that they can be, where students feel like they are, you know, having the best experiences, um, you know, that they want and deserve uh, in an administration. I felt like that would allow me to basically expand my Im influence. And so you feel the taps, you respond to the taps, and the next thing you know, uh, 
like I got my, uh, my master's in administration and a couple of years later, I'm an assistant principal. And then from there, you know, things just progress from there. Do you think you would have naturally progressed away from being a teacher without those taps? Or do you think really like that was the only reason why? You know, that's a very good question. I, I don't know because I loved it. You know, there's things that you just love, you know, and I loved being a teacher. Like I was a teacher 12 years. I had a goal. I was like, I'm going to get out. I'm going to be a teacher and I'm going to live by the mall. <laughs> and so my first teaching job was at Andrew Frank Elementary School right down the street from the Galleria. And I was like, I did it. <laughs> Life goal accomplished, right? And then there was another mall there you know, down the street that's gone now. So um, just being able to accomplish those things really quickly uh, kind of, you know, changed things. And so I loved it so much because there's nothing like being a teacher and to be able to see those light bulbs come on. Uh, you don't get that experience as much as frequently when you're an administrator, but being in the classroom, being on the front lines, that just meant so much to me because I knew I was making a difference in students' lives. So those taps, you know, I was, I kept swatting them away. Like, what is that? Is that a mosquito? <laughs> I kept swatting them away uh, for some time, but then I ultimately uh, understood that, you know, uh, you've been given these gifts, these natural resources, right? And to do something with, and sometimes uh, in order to advance forward, you have to say goodbye to some things that maybe you even love dearly. And I still, I still love being in the classroom to this day. Um, having been an educator for 22 years, um, can you share some memorable moments from your early years as a teacher and your journey to becoming an, an administrator? Could you repeat that one more time? Uh, having been an educator for 22 years, yeah. uh, could you share some memorable mo moments that uh, led you to becoming uh, from your early years as a teacher and your journey to becoming an administrator? Sure. I'd say surviving my first year was an accomplishment because you don't really know what you're doing. You're just trying. So students out there, if you have first-year teachers, maybe you do know their first year or not, just just be the best that you can for those <laughs> teachers because they're trying the best that they can. It's, it's, um, it's so eye-opening uh, to, to be a first-year teacher. Um, and to feel all the support and love from your colleagues that want to see you do well. Uh, I can't say it's like that if you, if you work at Apple. I can't say it's like that if you work at Bank of America. I can't say it's like that because the work is different, because everybody understands ultimately this is about our kids. And so my first year was great. Um, along the journey and being in the classroom, uh, for my first year being terrified, well, two years later, I was teacher of the year at that same campus and being the first african-american teacher of the year at that campus it was very uh special to me uh and that again that happened really early in my career and so i started thinking hmm, what else i remember when i was in high school there used to be this spot called clary's tinsley's hometown heroes i don't know if you all remember that but i wanted to be a hometown hero so desperately and I looked up, and at the end of my teaching career, I'd been a hometown hero twice, right? They'd come out and done news stories twice on things that uh, I was fortunate enough to lead um, with my students. And so that was great. Um, moving forward, um, going into the administrative role, winning a national blue ribbon, that is a huge thing. Uh, an experience that I've been able to, you know, to, to cherish. I was assistant principal at Longfellow. Any Long, Longfellow in the house, right? Yeah, Longfellow. Yeah, Longfellow. All right, but Longfellow, we won a national blue ribbon. 
um, that's like winning a Grammy or an Oscar for school, right? It just felt so good to be validated. And then obviously becoming a principal for the first time when they hand you the keys and then and everybody's gone, you can't like, oh my gosh, I'm responsible for all of this, right? It's a lot. Um, and then, you know, eventually becoming principal of the year. And so, uh, and all those, you know, a master principal, principal of the year, you know, having campuses that have been rated A by the state and the district and just a lot of, not that those things matter, you know, that's not, they don't matter the most, mm -hmm. but to know that students can be proud of the work that they've done so that those accomplishments could be met. That, in, in seeing those journeys, those individual journeys, that's what's been the most uh, rewarding aspect of this work for me. Mm. Uh, while you were a teacher, was there any specific classes that stuck out to you, like maybe one year or anything like that? Hmm, when I was a teacher, well, again, first year, i never forget it. Uh, we'd gone on a field trip to the state fair and you know there's a lagoon out there in the front you know have you ever seen the lagoon at the state fair and the kids were out there we'd gone to the science place and and i just heard this splash and in my mind i was like i know that was one of my kids <laughs> who had fallen in the lagoon so i'm racing down to the lagoon and scoop this child out of the water and i had a brand new leather coat and it had algae all along i got yeah, yeah. No. she lost a shoe she was fine <laughs> <laughs> She did have to ride on the school bus back with one shoe, but it was it was funny. But um, I would say, I would say that you know those those special moments mm -hmm. that you have with students that you know a billion is a billion pieces of good news that happen every day in the classrooms. We don't report on all of it, but there's so many special moments, and I cherish those because I feel like I was allowed to share in those moments with students. And when you're a teacher, you sort of become an immortal. Right, because you remember that those students remember those, you know, those uh, those teachers who give you. Who's your teacher? Uh, for J just who was your teacher? Mm. <laughs> it could it could be a series of them. Who was yours? Uh, my teacher was probably my fifth grade teacher, Miss Riffitt. <laughs> who who was yours? I think my teacher was Miss Nuttall at St. Phillips. Uh, oh, okay, Miss Nuttall at St. Phillips, Southside, Southside. All right. Who was your teacher? <laughs> who was that teacher that? Oh, you will never forget. Oh, his name was Mr. Vaca. Mr. Vaca. Like, yeah, he was my elementary teacher. See. I had him. I had him for like consistent years. He kept moving with me. See, down the years. That's that's awesome. That's awesome. How about you? I think um, it's honestly this year, uh, Mr. Olson. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, and you'll never forget these people. They'll be like immortal. They will live on because of the experiences that you've had with them. And so um, who wouldn't want to be one of those teachers? And that's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be one of those teachers. Um, how, how you were saying about like your first year as a teacher, it was like really difficult to like get into it. Yeah. Was there like any people that tapped on you, like you were saying, like helped you go through that journey and be here uh, at the spot that you are now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I had the advantage of being, like these teachers used to tell me something that I used to tell my students. Like I realized that they'd been doing this job longer than I'd been alive. I started when I was 22 years old. I just turned 22 years old. I was a baby and they'd been teaching 25, 30 years. And 
they had all the tricks and they had all of the the information that I needed and I would just absorb it uh, in, in order to not only focus on content and delivering content in a, you know, a, in a way that students would respond to and that they would do well on the test, right? But to really go deep and make those connections with students and their families because the students spent more time with me at school than they did with their parents at home. So I'm just so grateful to have had those teachers one which was a DISD finalist for teacher of the year and you know and all these teachers they again they had years and years of experience and their sole investment I was the baby <laughs> like how do we turn the baby into a baddie right <laughs> and uh and 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 I I'll, I'm always grateful for that um and what you want to do is pass it along pay it forward and so, you know, to be able to mentor teachers when I was a teacher felt good. To be able to mentor principals or, or assistant principals along the way. And now even in this role, to be able to support the principals here uh, at Townview and at all the magnet schools is just one of those things I think is an extension of that experience that I had when I was a first-year teacher. Mm -hmm. um, can you tell us a bit about what inspired your involvement in magnet schools and how do they benefit students within Dallas ISD? Great magnet schools. Magnet schools ha are awesome. They've been awesome for a long time. Um, but specifically for me, I, there's a story of a kid who uh, who wanted to go to a magnet school when he was in eighth grade at E.H. Carey. I applied. Um, I was only really interested in my first choice, uh, and because I wanted to be an artist. And so um, back then, things are just not as they are now. They just aren't. And so sometimes rules are really rigid about things that don't even matter. So for me, I wanted to go to a school. I won't say this school's name, okay? I'll just say the initials. It was Booker T. Washington. <laughs> 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 uh, but which is to this to this day, you know, it's just an amazing school for, for students who have an interest, an interest in the arts. But back then, um, in order for me to uh, meet the application, you know, criteria, I had to submit a portfolio, and I didn't even know what that was, you know. So I go down to the payphone in my apartment, you know, at the bottom of my apartments on Web Chapel. Uh, I said this earlier: a payphone is like this device that is hooked to the ground, <laughs> and you have to have coins in order for it to work. You probably don't know anything about that, <laughs> but. Um, I went to the payphone and I called the school, uh, and um, that was one of their rules at the time. And that dream of going to that school died right there at the payphone uh, on Web Chapel. And so, you know, but I look at things like this. If I didn't have that dream, uh, you know, I would say deferred, uh, then guess what? Then maybe I don't go to TJ, then maybe I don't meet Coach Rob, and then maybe I don't you know, dedicate my life to becoming a teacher because of some of the experiences that I had. Maybe I do, I don't know. But I know in this role, one of the things that I take with me from that experience is that how do we make sure that barriers that don't really matter aren't playing a significant role in keeping students who, who I feel would be great, who have great potential uh, and deserving these types of opportunities to have. So um, 
we spent a lot of time looking at uh, the applicants. We spent a lot of time looking at our processes and systems to work on the system to make sure that students, first of all, know about the opportunity to come to um, to be involved with the magnet schools. Um, we spent a lot of time uh, marketing ourselves as, hey, this school can be for you, right? You know, you're special enough to come to this school. Of course, we have criteria that students have to meet, but, you know, um, but it's accessible for all, as they should be. And things that students can't change, we can't change what we look like, we can't change the families we were born into, we can't have an impact on our, you know, socioeconomic status when we're students. None of those things should be barriers to keep you from the opportunity to participate in developing your potential uh, in these amazing programs that we have here. Mm -hmm. yeah, that, was a, that was a really good answer, but before we get into some of our other questions, sure. we're gonna take a quick break. So we'll see y'all back here in a little second. Yo, what's up KZ and your family? Currently enjoying the show? But don't leave us just yet. We'll be right back after this short break. Hey guys, welcome back. And so a question that I've been wanting to ask is, can you tell us a little bit about your transition from being a teacher into a role of leadership? Yes, uh, I was a teacher. I'm going to keep it real. I didn't, I, hadn't, I hadn't say this earlier, but I'll tell you what happened. Uh, my last year as a teacher, I made it clear that this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to possibly one day be an assistant principal. And they had a program back then where you can get training so that you can one day become an assistant principal. And I submitted my form to my principal at the time. Your principal had to sign off on that, on that form uh, in order for you to, your candidacy to advance. And um, I remember meeting on Valentine's Day back in 2012 not that I remember it, at 5 o'clock p.m. <laughs> I mean, that lasted until 7, where I had two hours of the reasons why I couldn't. Uh, and I will say that was very heartbreaking. I mean, I, it, it, it moved me to tears, and it really broke my heart. Uh, but it didn't break long, right? Because, you know, your heart breaks, you find out what's in it. And, and, and what I found uh, in having to recover from that is that well, there was the question, do you believe that this is your calling or not? And I did. And so from there, I, I ended up leaving that campus and just felt like I needed to start from scratch. And so I went to another campus and applied and I got the job. And before I could even get home, the principal had called me back and said, hey, uh, Mr. Jackson, uh, I have an opportunity for you to be our instructional coach. Um, along with our gifted and talented coordinator slash teacher. Would you like that role? I, I said, yeah, sure. Anything that gives me an opportunity to grow and, and, and add to, um, you know, to, to the resources that I have. And it was a blessing uh, in a lot of different ways because that teacher, I mean, excuse me, that principal had come through the campus. Y'all, you all see us, you know, the adults come through in the suits and they come walk and come watch you learn and watch the teacher teach. Well, she'd done one of those walks and she'd seen me teach. And she didn't even ask any questions about what had happened, what was my previous experience with the other school. And so from there, 
that year I learned so much about, you know, being an administrator and how to support teachers. She ended up connecting me with um, uh, Dr. Wright, who was, who still is an executive director in the district now, but she was a principal at Longfellow at the time who was looking for an assistant principal. Um, I got a call. I was in the movies uh, with Coach Rob, as a matter of fact, my high school basketball coach. It was the summer. We were watching a movie. I said, hey, I got the call. He said, go, go. So I ran, got dressed, and went to Longfellow, and uh, I was hired as an assistant principal. And I'm, whereas it was heartbreaking uh, to have that experience of somebody that I really believed in, that I thought believed in me for 12 years to tell me that they didn't see me possibly becoming an assistant principal one day, um, you know, to, you know, two years or three years later to be in Washington, D.C. receiving a blue ribbon. It was just an amazing, uh, an amazing story. Uh, one that I learned and the lesson that I take is that it's all, this is all always about people. This is the people business. Uh, and it's all about, always about elevating people so that they can help others. You always lift as you climb. And so, um, that's just a part of my DNA is how do I support others so that, you know, they can possibly reach their potential. And if I see that they can't or they're struggling with that, how can I help them uh, in a way that they can, they can reach their potential, you know, so. Uh, you mentioned that Coach Rob was your basketball coach. Was basketball something you were passionate about when you were younger? Yeah, I love playing basketball. I could tell you where the love of basketball came from. I was, I grew up, okay, if there's, is the team LeBron and team Jordan? Anybody? No? Any of that? Jordan or the Jordan? 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 Oh, what, is it the same thing? Uh, okay, so I'm amongst friends. All right. <laughs> so I was team Jordan. Jo Michael Jordan was the coolest thing in the world to me. And uh, first of all, again, representation matters. And I'll say that, right? Representation matters. It was the first time that I'd seen somebody with my complexion be so admired, right? Somebody who looked like me be so admired by so many. And um, that was important, you know, because I'd heard otherwise based on how I looked, right? Um, so that was important. And just to see just the, the commitment to just being the best and that drive, it just, you know, I just internalized that and it just became a part of who I am to always be the best. As a matter of fact, it wasn't even about... Um, winning I, I just didn't like losing and you could channel all of that energy and all of that you know the, your frustration into getting better so my basketball career my first year I started playing basketball I was the shortest kid at Thomas Jefferson High School I was 5'3 as a ninth grader I don't know how I made the basketball team the good news for me is that the team wasn't good either and they needed a body <laughs> they needed an extra person <laughs> So I sat on the bench the whole year. I scored four points against Woodrow Wilson and all in one game, right, the whole season. My sophomore year, I scored zero points the whole season, I remember. And uh, it's something, I had a growth spurt over the summer, and all of the, the practice and all of that stuff that I was doing in order to be better, it just all took effect in, like, a matter of months. And I came back just different. And, and you know, and I, that's one of the things that I, I just love the most about playing basketball is that, you know, that challenge is a team sport, but you develop that camaraderie and that brotherhood. And so to go from 
all season, or go, go from a season where you hit zero points, and then like by my senior year, I was the captain of the basketball team, and we won like the consolation championship and the Dr. Pepper tournament, and we were like really good. It was. It just showed me hard work pays off. It's not like a Disney movie, doesn't it? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> but it's all true. And then the coach ended up taking me to college, right? So, um, yeah, that was just, uh, I think that, yeah, it was a game, but it was a, it was a vehicle, you know, for me to help find, find out who I was, uh, the type of determination I had, uh, and being okay with my limits, I didn't even start my senior year. I was the captain of the basketball team, and I didn't start. I played a lot more. I was, you know, I was okay, but I didn't even start. But I knew the person that played in front of me was better than I was. So why would I complain about that? You know. And again, I'm still the captain, so that just taught me leadership. Doesn't necessarily have to look like a certain thing all the time. It doesn't have to be the same thing or what you just think. I don't have to be Michael Jordan in order to pull the, the greatness out of myself. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, going back to the National Blue Ribbon Award, can you tell us uh, your experience winning it and how what did it mean for your community and the people around you? That was so much fun. Uh, I was a, like I said, I was the assistant principal and Dr. Wright was the principal, and I'll never forget that the work that we put into the campus prior to that because it needed some work, but to see all of that work. Um, I should say pay off. I won't say that the the blue ribbon, you know, but it, it was, if we didn't get the blue ribbon, did it mean that we didn't work hard? No. Did it mean that we were any less dedicated, that we were less deserving of, you know, the results that we were getting? No. But it was validation that all of that, that paid off. And I remember we got that announcement and at the time, I had a I had a convertible, and we'd ordered this big sign. We figured we were gonna win it, you know. So, well, you get the announcement a little bit early. So we went and got this big sign, and I remember, and it was like this court board. It was huge, and I remember like driving down the street in my convertible, like holding on to it so it wouldn't blow because I had to go pick it up from the printing place, and we brought it back. And I can tell you the students were so excited because they had been on that journey. They were the ones who who done the work, right? And just the excitement and the pride that everyone felt um, about that. So um, I can tell you this. I mean, I wear this, you know, my blue ribbon pendant proudly. It was in Washington, D.C. It's a really, it's like winning a Grammy on Oscar. It really is. Like, you feel like you're nationally validated. And um, I just uh, I look at what's going to happen tomorrow is that we have some campuses that are going to uh, learn that they are Blue Ribbon recipients here in Dallas. I can't say just yet who, but there are some campuses in DISD. There's, uh, that's, it's going to be an exciting announcement, and I, I just can't wait to share that experience uh, with, with the, the leader uh, of that campus tomorrow. So. Uh, talking a bit about achievements, is there any recent like accolades or achievements you can tell us about? Oh, well, you know what? Um, I was uh, able to find my way back to town view today. No. <laughs> 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 Make your next take your best take, right? Um, no, I, um, I, I was really proud of, of a few, th- few things, and it's, 
I, and it's all we, like I said, we're in, we're in this thing to help people, right? And it's all about becoming the best that you can be. So, um, to help others, I was I'm really proud. I mean, I have this award. I'm really a proud of the principal of the year award that I won a few years ago um, because of the hard work that everybody put into making our schools successful. You know, and it wasn't about me. I have a saying, I have a saying that the hole was smart enough to surround himself with the donut, right? <laughs> Meaning that it's all about the people around you and where you may have a deficit. No, you know what? I can't, I may not be able to dance, but I know somebody who can teach dance. I may not be able to teach language arts as effectively as somebody else. So it's about the donut, right? So you see what I'm saying? So that was a celebration of the donut. That was a celebration of the families, the communities. And I remember in carpool that afterwards, after I won, I, I stood out there with that. And as carpool went by, I stood out in the street and I told everybody to touch it. I said, touch it and put your <laughs> fingerprints on it. Put your prints on it. Put your prints on it because it's just as much of yours as it is mine. Um, that was uh, an immense honor to be. A master principal is an, was a completely immense honor um, because I earned that at Sudie Williams Elementary School, which was a neighborhood school uh, that had a lot of struggles, but we overcame those struggles uh, to be teacher of the year, or be a master teacher. Um, those things, they mean so much to me because it wasn't about me. It's about the engagement of others for something really uh, special in, in, in education that to me, I think that uh, that matters the most. How would you define effective educational leadership? Effective educational leadership, I think it starts with listening. Uh, well, let me back up. I think it goes back to what I said. It's the people. This is this is all about people. This is about human beings, right? And I think from that, uh, when we look at okay, so how do we teach people, right? Well, I think. Uh, that people genuinely don't care about how much you know until they know you care about them. So uh, along with the academical, the academic piece and the instructional pieces that, you know, the pedagogy, that's an education word, the pedagogy, like how we're going to teach, how we're going to deliver these lessons, people need to know you care about them. And so that sense of belonging that uh, the district has set forth as the, the, at the ground level for what should be happening at our campuses, it matters so much. So once that's established, now we can talk, now we can talk instructional strategies, now we can talk uh, engagement techniques, now we can talk about checks for understanding, now we can talk about all those things that go, um, that lead uh, towards successful outcomes. Um, but it starts with that, and it also starts with, I think, a lens of equity and making sure that um, that kid that was on the bus stop, you know, well, that kid that was at the payphone has just as much of an opportunity as uh, a student who has no knowledge of those experiences at all. So, I, I, and I think that we can teach like that, and I think it takes differentiation because all of us are strong in different things, right? All of us, like I said, everybody has a whole. Mm -hmm. Right. Everybody has a whole. And, and I think it really does uh, take instruction that meets those particular needs of all the different students. And that takes a lot. It takes a lot of preparation. It takes a lot of planning. Um, 
and but it takes a lot of it takes a lot of support of the teachers who are actually on the front lines doing that that level of work and so um you know how do we teach people you know if you think about that how do we teach people how do we know we're effectively teaching people i think that um that that, that the answer into that in that lies is how how dedicated are we to looking at the whole person and meeting those needs uh, and growing ourselves so that we can meet those needs. I really like your saying about the whole and the donut stuff. And I was wondering, um, do you have any mottos or sayings that you feel are important to you? Oh, man. You asked the right person. Lots. Um, there's one. Uh, Texas College, uh, the motto of Texas College just stuck with me. is give the people light and they will find their way. Uh, as educators, I believe that we get a chance to be uh, we function in a role where enlightenment is just what we do and just like these lights we see in this room they they, they allow us to see more uh, a lot of times it takes somebody who wants to be that light in your life to have you see who you are right and to see your potential and see all the things that you can do and so if to be that light and to add to that light and do the things that it takes in order for that light to shine brighter and further than maybe it it did in one in one of you know different aspects of your life i think that that's a again that's a blessing and that's a that comes with the calling of this right so give the people light and they will find their way um there's uh there's one that i love dearly because i'm a hip-hop cat right i love old school hip-hop uh, there's a group called The Roots, and I was really, you probably don't know anything about Okay, there's that group on Jimmy Kimmel that plays the music. Oh, okay, yeah, oh, yeah, right? Okay. Yeah. And I know, I know, right? I know. <laughs> She's shaking her head. I know. The Roots have turned into Jimmy Kimmel's uh, band, right? But The Roots are an amazing uh, group, and they, um, there's a great song that I remember when I was in college. I heard it uh, um, in the the lead rapper for the roots black thought he said that my deliverance is self-evidence and that stuck with me so deeply because it's true uh, once you find out who you are and you find out your purpose then that's what will deliver you from uh, maybe some of those things that are out there trying to hold you down and keep you away from you fulfilling your destiny and being all that you could be i grew up in gangbangers and crack you know, it was my neighborhood, both neighborhoods. And once I've discovered who I was and what I felt like I'd been called to do, those things, regardless of how prevalent they were, um, you know, I was able to focus on becoming that in which I felt like I was called to be. And and that, that was my that was my light. That was my guiding light. And so, um, yeah, you're my, yeah. So I, I paraphrase that in a lot of different ways. We just said it, Sudi Tag. All they didn't know where it came from, but mm -hmm. I would say it a lot. Be your best you and love what you do. And I say that all the time because it means so much. Be your best you and love what you do. Be your best you and love what you do. Because if you really work on yourself and being the best that you can be, um, I think that uh, and you just you discover that passion and love that you have for something that you just can't let, it keeps you up, that you can't let, you know, the thought of not being this thing, um, that's special, that, that's special. So um, yeah, be your best you and love what you do. Mm -hmm. Give the people light and they will find their way. How does this philosophy apply to your work as an executive director? 
Yeah, well, just uh, again, education is enlightenment. And what's enlightenment? You know, thinking about being able to see what you didn't see before, being able to know what you didn't know before. And then once you know in these things and you see these things, you're responsible for that. And, and what do you do with what you now have seen and what you now know? And you're responsible for that too, uh, what you do and don't do uh, with it. And so that's the beautiful thing about education. That's, that's, you know, houses of enlightenment, right? That's basically what this is. You, every day you should come, you should leave here. Your light should burn a little bit brighter. We have tough days. We have challenging days. But if your light, if your light is burning brighter every day, that means that you, first of all, that something's had an effect on you. At the very least, school should have an effect on you positive effect on you right uh on your mental life and you know how you feel about yourself and and and, and understanding the world as a whole but at best your light is so much brighter now that you're able to help others see the way and i, I believe that that's what it's all about what what advice will you give like for future um educators or school leaders like what would you, advice would you give them like to keep moving forward and do what they want to do to help out their community? Good, good question. I think that the simple answer to that is, you know, you, it all, you end with the start, right? Every day I think that if you remind yourself, why did you start this? Why did you, why did you jump in this endeavor that is really demanding, right? You know, it's really challenging it's you get overworked uh it's you, the compensation could not possibly match all of the work that you know that that educators do um let me just tell you it it it's it's a it's a lifetime commitment and so and it and it costs a lot but the returns that you have on that you know it, it's extremely special uh, i look at education especially with students, it's almost like a relay race because it's rare that your teacher in kindergarten is going to be the person standing on stage congratulating you when you graduate, right? So there's 13 different steps, or well, 14 if you count pre-K, and mm -hmm. you can go down the line pre-K three, but all those different steps, you're handing your best off to the next person. Your teacher ended up handing it off to himself. He just <laughs> he went back and <laughs> forth because he stayed with you all those years. But you're just handing all of what you, your best, the best that you could do, that you could, the best that you can instill in students off to the next educator. And you're handing it off, right? So the first person who responds when you hear, bang, go, on your marks, get set, go. That person, that first leg of that race, that person doesn't get to cross the finish line, but they get to hand the baton off. And it's time for somebody else. And so I, I suggest, you know, to take that baton and move forward. And that's how I feel about education. We're all working together ultimately to see you all cross the finish line. Uh, and the last thing I'll say is that with this role, one of the things I just really enjoy is that I get to be on stage seven times, you know, because I have seven high schools to be at seven graduations to shake all those hands of students who are crossing the finish line. And and that's a joy. How do you create a nurturing and learning environment within your magnet schools? 
the, I think it's that sense of belonging. The students have worked really hard to get in the magnet schools, right? You all are in the magnet school, right? You've worked really hard to get in. And your seat is valuable because there's students that um, if you got up out of that seat, who would desperately want that seat, right? And they're working very hard to claim seats uh, of the sort for themselves later, you know, future, you know, in the future. So I, I, I say that that sense of belonging, once you cross the threshold and once you're, in, you know, you're a part of the magnet school family, is that how do we not only keep you there uh, and greet, well, greet you there, like, hey, you made it, but then keep you there by making sure that you all understand that, you know, bring all of who you are. It doesn't matter. Yeah, you're a fantastic math student, and you may be smart enough to hide the fact that you may not be the best reader, or you may be an amazing reader, and you may be an amazing, uh, you know, uh, camouflage artist of hiding the fact that you have these ho <laughs> these holes, right? And, you know, Swiss cheese, right? You have these holes uh, in your makeup. But I think that when we look at, well, you know what? It's all about not just, you know, celebrating the great things about you all, but helping you identify those areas that you can grow in, uh, even at the magnet school. So if people have an expectation that magnet school students are you know, perfect, everything's perfect, and you all know perfectly well that that is not perfectly true, <laughs> right? Uh, you all struggle just like any other students, right? Uh, and it's, uh, it's a unique challenge, it's a unique struggle, um, because you're feeling like you're starting out here already, right? Like, I've lifted the bar, yay! But you always have somebody like your teacher saying, yeah, but you can lift it a little bit higher. And it's like, isn't this enough? <laughs> and not only that after you've lifted it, guess what you have to do now, magnet school students and teachers and principals? You have to hold it there and hold it there and hold it and hold it because you can't afford to slip, right? and then even work on taking it to that next level. And that's a really unique challenge uh, that re requires a unique skill set. And so um, if I can support, if I can do anything to support in that sense, then um, I think that everything that we, that we do is well worth it. How do you manage your time and stay motivated and being a, when having a demanding career and a doctoral studies? Yeah, uh, it's a lot. Um, I also have a little boy, right? He's a 20-month-old. He's a, yeah. His name is Michael Joseph Jackson Jr. Is he, y'all see him? He cute. <laughs> he cute kid. I call him Mike Aroni. Uh, it's a lot because, um, you know, uh, my wife and I had our son when I was in the, I was yeah, in the middle of my doctoral studies, and I'm having to go back and forth, back and forth to, to Austin. And that was a lot. Um, I, I will say this. My, one of my friends, uh, Mr. Brandt, who's over at uh, Skyline now, he used to be the principal over at uh, Travis, he used to ask me, like, how do you do it? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> uh, you just keep going. That's it. You just you wake up and you just keep going. Uh, and I think that Sometimes you just wake up, you just make sure you have, you know, your tanks as full as they can possibly be. And when it gets low, what I've found is you pour into others and you give to others. Somehow your tank just seems to fill up even more and it just gives you more motivation to keep going. Uh, it's been a challenge, um, but I'm, 
happy to be finished with all of the the course studies and now i'm just working on the uh, dissertation so um it, it, it which is a challenge in itself but i feel i feel confident that i have the support to uh to get this thing done one dissertation away so <laughs> we know you've been you're very passionate about education uh but if you could have pursued any other career in life what would it be and why Y'all want the truth? No. <laughs> it would still be an educator in some senses, but I'd probably be like a rapper, you know? <laughs> but I have like like the, you know, like the bars, you know, my bars would have like educational codes in them and things like that, you know? <laughs> like, because uh, it's just a communicator. Ultimately, I say that, you know, but it's, it's just a communicator and someone who wants to share and again, doing the exact same thing. It that's all it is, helping people, right? And so I say that because I love music so much and music has been a uh, very, very influential uh, in, in helping me see um, a, a lot of times past my circumstances uh, to look, you know, towards, uh, you know, brighter days. And so I, I cherish that. And so if anything with music, I'd probably be interested in now, unfortunately, I'm named Michael Jackson and I can't really sing or dance. <laughs> um, but, uh, but you know, I, I got a couple bars, you know, every now and then, you know. You know but y'all just let me get away with saying that? No, I'm just playing. <laughs> um, well, I, it's just a curious question to have now. Is there um, any, like, joke you will remember, like, from people... I guess you've gotten this a lot about your name, Michael Jackson. <laughs> Is there like a memorable, memorable joke like that you remember? Not that I could share right now, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, I get he he all the time. <laughs> you know, I'll 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 say this. I had a student at at Sudi, and he it was it was a good one. And I remember he came to me and he asked me uh, seriously. He was with a serious face. He's a fourth grader, and he said, "Mr. Jackson, I have a question to ask you." I said, "Yes, son. What? How can I help you?" He's like, he says, um, "Are your pronouns he he?" <laughs> and uh, and it you know I, it hit me, and I was like. Good job. Good job. I got a cloud. Like, good work. Nice work. Nice job. Nice job, son. So, um, yeah, I'm up for it. I have a great sense of humor. Your name is Michael Jackson. You have to know how to crack a joke and take a joke, right? So, uh, I still laugh at good ones, you know? Yeah, I, I laugh at good Michael Jackson jokes. But I love Michael Jackson. Who doesn't love Michael Jackson? All right. <laughs> when were you all born? What year? What year? Let me just, I got a question. 2006. 2006. You were three. How, <laughs> when he did, when Michael went to, when he, when he passed away, you were three. How is it you all know Michael Jackson like this? It's amazing, right? So, um, at any rate, uh, so, and hopefully, if I can be as memorable as that one for doing good things <laughs> for kids, I'm cool. Were you in any clubs or organizations when you were in high school and college? And if so, how did they influence you to now? Man, yeah, um, I always kind of felt like an outsider. Uh, I remember I was in in ele uh, middle school. I was in this club. It was for like kids who saw things differently. It was called the Horror Club, and this teacher, she was amazing because she just let us be, you know, our unique selves. I grew up watching horror movies, and I was really into like you know horror movies and you know and 
I found like these really cool relationships with students, right? Because you realize, oh, okay, students that love horror movies have great senses of humor, right? They they get a joke. Um, and so from there, you know, again, I, I I was five three trying to play basketball. I didn't feel like I belonged on the basketball team, but I made it. And but that brotherhood that you experience with your, you know, your fellow uh, athletes it's a really cool thing it was really cool so i really loved that i was also um now it's funny because i played high school basketball but sometimes i throw this out there i say yeah we won state it was not state in basketball we won state in deca you know deca <laughs> distributive education clubs of america <laughs> yeah we won uh, we won the city and then we won state and we went to nationals and that was that was a really cool experience traveling tourism but deca was great uh, those are my those are my two uh, my two clubs in, in in high school. Of course, like I went to college and student government. You know, being involved in the student government was really special to me. Uh, from, again, from being sophomore class president and then being student body president as a junior uh, and senior, just it really just reinforced the fact that you can have an impact on people, um, and you don't have to have a whole lot. Uh, <laughs> and so uh, even in college good question good, good nice, nice and so even in, in college that you know a lot of other groups that I was a part in I'm really proud of my uh, affiliation to Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated which is uh, the first African-American uh, Greek letter organization uh, so really proud of that you know to be to share the same fraternal brotherhood is Dr. Martin Luther King is like really special and I could just go down the list and down the line but um, yeah I just uh, I'm really fortunate to be a part of something that's much greater than I am. Um, outside of your busy professional lives what are some favorite hobbies or activities that bring you relaxation? Watching sports I, I, I just love I love sports I think that I like the strategy that's involved in sports. I like the determination that I see, you know, that athletes, you know, in the depths in which they go to win. Um, and, you know, I like the the fact that if one team beat another, those were the facts. It was We're not going to discuss it. You know, we scored more points than you, right? And that's the finality of it all. So I enjoy sports a lot. Um, a huge Dallas Cowboys fan. I'm really excited about my Cowboys right now. Uh, Homer, I love the Rangers, love the Mavericks, you know. Um, but then, you know, outside of that, I mean, I love reading. I used to own a children's bookstore here in, here in Dallas. And so uh, books, you know, had that reading and literacy and uh, volunteer work, that's really important to me. Uh, but I'd say... I, I would probably say I'm happiest outside of this work is when I'm with like friends or family and we're just cracking a lot of jokes. I just really like cracking jokes. I really do because it really can turn a, a sour situation uh, much sweeter when you, when you have a sense of humor to enlighten the mood. Um, with your um, wealth of experience and education and leadership, do you have like any advice of or words of wisdom you'd like to share with our like high school students that might want to pursue uh, a career as a principal or a teacher? Yeah, sure, or even it, whatever career, you know. I think, again, it just goes to be your best you and love what you do. Make sure whatever you're doing that you're intentional about it, you know. 
Um, I believe, I said it earlier, you know, I have this, another saying, all of this for that, right? So whatever you're, whatever you're doing, it has to lead to something else, right? It's going, it's eventually will lead to something else. So why not be intentional about doing those things? And so when you get to the other side, you can say, well, all of, all of that for this. So all of this for that, all of that for this, I believe in that. Um, and just keep going, keep going. Um, I was asked earlier what my favorite Michael Jackson song was, and um, it's it wasn't Beat It or Thriller. It, he has this song on a Dangerous album. It's called Keep the Faith. And sometimes when you're in a, some dark situations, right, that if you have that faith and belief that if you just keep going, um, that things could possibly work out in your favor. So along the way just and but and there's nothing you can do about it sometimes but ultimately just be the best that you can be in a situation so um and, and find out what you're in love with and just and just pour everything into that and i would tell and and even after you leave i'll give this piece of advice to swing big as you're young you know your youth they you ever heard the saying that the youth is wasted on the young have you ever heard that before it's when you're young as you're youthful now you have you have so much ahead of you. I would say swing big. When I say swing big, you know, find out what you want to do. Take those risks and chances in order. If you think, I think I'm going to try to go to Harvard, but I do it. I just, just try it because you never know. I went to college with $500, and they ended up giving me $183 back. I told you that story. <laughs> so just do it. Just do it and, and believe, and, and you'll be all right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Mr. Jackson. Our time with him has ended, but this discussion has been very enlightening. Enlightening. Uh, before we wrap up, we'd like to extend a heartfelt thank you to Mr. Jackson for sitting down with us today. Uh, as a guest from Beyond the Schools Administration, your insight has been invaluable. So that wraps up today's show. Uh, thank you for joining us today. Make sure to follow us on all our social medias before below. I'm Jelly. I'm Chewy. I'm Simone. I'm Unison. Hey, he. No, just <laughs> <laughs> See you on the next show. See you next time. Bye. Peace. Thank you for listening to KSPM Radio, the voice of Townview. My radio station. We hope you enjoyed the great content and great discussion, all from a student's perspective. Make sure to follow us on Twitter for the latest updates at KSBM underscore TVT or on Facebook at KSBM Radio. Add them on Facebook. Check them on Facebook. Take care.